1: Of the show, it's of course Tuesday as uh, we get this week well underway. And uh, yesterday, markets rallied again. Uh, a little bit sloppy trading action yesterday, of course. Markets kind of moving both into positive and negative territory, showing a little bit of sign of exhaustion here after a pretty good run here that we've had really since the beginning of this year. And really, you know, despite you know bank failures and bank crises, I thought it was interesting today. Credit Suisse is having their shareholder meeting and a lot of people visibly upset about Credit Suisse being sold to UBS for a pittance um, after their basic you know kind of forced into failure it was pretty much a kind of akin to what we saw with Lehman uh, back in 2008 and I thought it was interesting because back in 2008 Lehman on the ropes of course financially and tried to get sold off in fact Credit Suisse was one of the bidders back then to buy Lehman Brothers in 2008 that deal fell through, and that was where Lehman uh, Brothers actually went into bankruptcy after that. Of course, that was amidst the financial crisis. Well, here it is, you know, 15 years later, and we're talking about Credit Suisse now on the ropes being forced into bankruptcy. And to top it all off, the CEO's name is Axel Lehman. So can't make that stuff up. So maybe your first problem was ain't got no gas in it. Uh, but the first problem <laughs> Is it maybe your CEO is named Lehman? I don't know. But anyway, that today, of course, uh, a lot of people protesting and and a lot of very visibly upset investors, of course, uh, in the company. They lost a lot of money and, you know, it is what it is. But despite all that, right, despite banking crisis, Silicon Valley Bank for, you know, uh, uh, Credit Suisse, others, uh, you know, all these banking issues, markets rallying very nicely here. Above, the, you know, above basically all of our moving averages, the 50, the 20, the 100, the 200-day moving averages. Markets have cleared all of that. Markets cleared the downtrend yesterday that goes back to April of this year. Um, there's been a very defined little wedge pattern that's been building. And you know, from the October lows up through uh, the lows that we saw basically here in, in early March after that sell-off in February, markets have just rallied very nicely here, breaking above that consolidation pattern. That now sets the market to move up to this 4,200 level, which is that next kind of resistance point. That's going to be the February peak of the market. Again, nothing really much to stop it at this point as investors kind of crowding in, in, into the markets, right? It's just the idea that basically the economy is going to avoid a recession as if, and, again, in anticipation of an earnings season that's about to start next week. Those estimates have been dropped rather dramatically over the course of the last several months. So, again, as we enter millennial earnings season where everybody gets a trophy, that's also going to be supportive, potentially, of higher asset prices. So, at this point right now, There's really not much to stop the market to rally to about 4,200. And this has been a real conundrum for, you know, people expecting a recession, a bigger bear market, et cetera. And, you know, I've warned you about, you know, all of these kind of videos that are out there and podcasts and media talking about, you know, the bear market, the recession. It it can certainly happen. And and as I've said here on the show multiple times, I can't figure out a way that we don't have a recession if you take a look at all the economic data, but the market has been pretty much pricing that in. And this is one of the things about the markets that we always have to remember is that markets price things in. They don't, markets don't necessarily miss turns in the markets one way or the other. And again, everybody's been expecting a recession now for over a year. So the market's had more than a year now to price in an economic recession. The market's had more than a year now to price in inflation. The market's had more than a year now to price in higher Fed funds rates. All these things, right, if we take a look at the markets and how they function, it's an organism of individuals making bets on the direction of earnings and economic growth and all these type of things. It's factoring in all of these things. So while it's frustrating that markets have been doing better, if you're expecting... Right, you're sitting on the sidelines, a lot of cash, holding a lot of precious metals, etc., expecting this big waterfall you know, event to occur in the markets. I'm not saying it can't occur. All I'm saying is, is that it's been being priced in now for more than a year. And really, ever since January of last year, the markets had gone through this sell-off process last year. And since October, the markets have been establishing a series of higher lows. That's just and and that's just the way markets kind of work over time as we've been working through this kind of negative news flow environment. The markets have consistently been putting in higher lows at this point showing that that bullish trend is trying to reemerge again we're not there just yet but this is very important to pay attention to again in the short term we're on a buy signal as we've talked about before you don't ignore that buy signal it pretty much tells you that there's a a, a positive momentum push to the markets right now so that again suggests higher asset prices here in the short term which is why we added some exposure over the last couple of weeks um, but markets are very short term back to overbought so again First time that we've been overbought now, really, since the peak of the market back in February. So there's probably limited upside here at this point for the markets. But as long as this buy signal is in place, markets can remain overbought longer than you uh, can can imagine. So just now, because we're just now getting to overbought status, doesn't mean markets are going to sell off tomorrow. We could have a little bit of a pullback here in the markets. This buy signal remains intact. We work off some of this overbought condition, and then the market makes another advance higher. So again, you know, this kind of this idea, this market retraces back to 4,200 is probably the first initial target. After that, if the markets can clear that level, our next targets are really these kind of April highs, right around 4,300. And then we're talking about 4,400 after that. So there's a couple of levels of resistance here that the markets will have to deal with as they move higher, but again, The momentum of the market is certainly intact here. And if we start getting better outlooks on earnings, earnings start to improve. Remember that markets are based on earnings estimates. So if estimates begin to improve, if corporate news flow, is better. That's going to help give the bulls a little bit more incentive to be long equity risk. So again, doesn't mean that this is that, you know, it's it's all green lights from here. We do need to be cautious about what's going on. There's certainly plenty of economic and fundamental risks to the markets we need to be aware of. But again, it's just important to balance what's happening in the markets and what the markets are trying to tell you versus what we as individuals and humans you know, think is logical and we allow our emotions to get in the way of what we should be doing investing wise. So again, this is really just a challenge that we deal with right now. Certainly lots of bearish case to be made, economics, fundamentals, etc. All certainly not bullish in the the broader view, but markets have again have been pricing a lot of that negativity in here for quite some time. So We'll talk some more about this uh, this morning because the question that we want to talk about this morning in particular on the show is is October was October the bear market low and was that actually a bear market or not. So we'll get into that this morning. I have a couple of charts to share with you as well. Uh, just trying to establish where we are within this long term market cycle. I'm your host Lance Roberts. Be sure you get by the website. The article is out on our website this morning as well at realinvestmentadvice.com. Also our daily market commentary so much more all at the website realinvestmentadvice.com we'll be right back
0: news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. What's new with Social Security this year? Our next Lunch and Learn will reveal seven things to watch in 2023. Thursday, April 13th at noon. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will share Social Security claiming strategies, the 2023 COLA, and earnings tests. Our What's New with Social Security this year Lunch and Learn with Ratliff and Rosso. April 13th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show.
1: The so last night I, I wasn't sleeping well. Had too much going on in my brain. And so uh, I got up and I didn't want to bother my wife. She was very tired. She was sleeping. She had to get up early this morning for a meeting. So I got up and went into the uh, living room just kind of laid down on the couch for a little bit and she she always leaves a light on in the front of the house because you know just makes her feel better about things to have a, a lamp on in the living room I guess she assumes that burglars will assume that we're awake at 4 a.m in the morning with a lamp on so anyway <laughs> but so I, I got up and I I went laid on the couch here for a little bit to just try to get my brain to shut down and I turned the lamp off as I was going back to bed and so this morning, my wife, you know, is up and I'm, I'm getting dressed to come here down to the show. And she's like, honey, did you know that the lamp was off in the living room? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, why is it off? And I go, why, why are you asking me? She goes, well, did somebody break in? I said, yes, honey, a climate activist broke in last night and <laughs> turned our lamp off. <laughs> I said, no, I turned it off last night before I came back to bed. So She's like, well, I was just concerned somebody broke into our house. And I'm like, yes, but I'm sure if they broke into our house, it was for more than just turning off your lamp. So (laughs) She was very worried about this, though. It's assuming
0: they could get past the moat.
1: Yeah, the the moat and the two vicious dogs that I own. Yes. Yes. Gunner and Sniper. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, a couple of things. So, so talking a little bit about you know the markets and you know where things are going right now. I know it's frustrating, right? You know, I, I I do these interviews every week with Adam Taggart over at Wealthion, and we do a market recap, and you know he's always asking me questions. Well, you know, you know this is happening and that's bearish, and this is happening and that's bearish. You know, it's a, it's a very bearish tint uh, to to that. And, you know, for the last several weeks, I'm like, you know, yeah, that's certainly the case, but this is what the markets are doing. And, you know, that, that's certainly a differential in what we think things should be doing in the markets versus what they are doing in the markets. And it doesn't mean that one view is right or wrong. It just means that we need to examine both views. And, in fact, Michael Leibowitz in our Daily Market Commentary is about to start a little series In our daily market commentary that we email out every morning at 7 30 talking about psychological biases the errors that we make through our own behavioral problems in terms of investing and sometimes what we think should be going on in the markets aren't let me give a good example right now there's plenty of bearish news about the markets we're going to have a recession leading economic indicators are certainly in 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 an area that have always preceded not not sometimes, always preceded a recession in the U.S. economy. Um, Our own economic composite index is at levels that certainly have always preceded, not sometimes, but always preceded an economic recession. And so we're going, well, how on earth can markets rally in light of the fact that this data is all pointing towards recession? Well, there's a potential maybe that this time is different. One of the reasons I say that is because we just did we just came out of recession now, yes, that recession was man made in twenty twenty but we did have an economic shutdown that reset some of the metrics in economic data and so could this time be a little different? I thought it was interesting because Bloomberg just recently published their u.s gdp growth forecast quarter over quarter for the rest of this year and into next year end of 2024 and what you'll notice is is that they're predicting a negative quarter of economic growth in q3 of this year and then it's back off to the races through quarter four of next year now importantly if economic growth is rising then earnings should also rise as well, and that's exactly what we're seeing from S&P, which is the company that produces all the estimates and the index, the S&P 500, S&P Global. Their estimates, which is the red dotted line that I have on this chart, so don't worry about if you're driving. This is all in our, in our blog post on the, on the website this morning. But analysts are predicting that in March of 23... That will be the trough in earnings. And earnings will be back to where they were on a per share basis. Now, this is GAP. This is GAP reported earnings estimates. They'll be back to where they were in January of 2022, which would coincide with a recovery in economic activity. And if earnings are recovering reco- and economic growth is recovering, stock market prices should be predicting that recovery. And maybe that's what's happening here with the markets is that markets are agreeing with these estimates and these outlooks that are certainly far and away different than what the economic data and particularly things like the leading economic indicators and the economic composite index and manufacturing indexes, etc. would all suggest be the case because those are all suggesting a very weak economic environment right now. But yet that's not what the markets are saying. So if you, if you take a look at the history, and again, uh, you know, we can just go back a couple of years, but the market tracks earnings growth and earnings estimates. And I've, I've said this before, like if you're a gold investor, the only thing you care about is real interest rates. So if you're buying gold for an investment purpose, just pay attention to real, inv- and, and real interest rates. In the market, the only thing you care about is the direction and trend of earnings and earnings estimates because that's where prices go. Because prices, the market is always pricing in the growth rate of future earnings, right? Because you're buying stocks today in hopes of higher earnings in the future to support that valuation that you're paying today. And so if earnings are improving, then the valuation, the E, is improving, which means you can pay more for stocks. That's the theory, and that's what the market tells you. And, that's the, and, and while this chart only goes back to 2022 um, – History holds that true back through history as well. So, uh, just one thing to pay attention to. But again, you know, as, as I said, one of the things that is important and that we need to also understand is that there is a difference between the market cycle that we're in, where we were, and where we are now. And this is going to be an important thing. And that we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of this when we come back from the break. No, Brent, not yet. Um, The we'll talk more about this when we come back from the break because it's going to take a little bit of explanation to get into. But the important thing is is that when we are looking at long-term data, and particularly when you're looking at economic data as a a reference, it's very important that we don't get caught up between the, the here and the now versus where you're going to be in the future. And so if we take a look at a lot of the manufacturing indexes, as an example, ISM the Institute of Supply Management Index, or if we take a look at the Purchasing Manufacturers Index, those have had very, very sharp declines, and they're trading in very recessionary territories. But yet, the recession hasn't occurred, at least has not been dated by the National Bureau of Economic Research yet. I'm not saying it won't be. But there's also something to take away from this, is that a lot of those indexes have had huge declines, they're trading in fairly deep recessionary territory, which is also going to suggest that at some point you're going to work through that cycle. That cycle is getting worked through here. Right? Inventories are being reduced, layoffs are occurring, all those type of things. Right? An announcement by Google today, they are cutting back on expenditures. Fitness classes and muffins and those type of things, uh, PC replacements. You just can't get a PC every time you want one now. But they're trying to to do cost cutting that is going to help their bottom line of their company, right? So companies are responding to the economic slowdown. Their earnings have declined over recent quarters because of the economic slowdown itself. And these companies have made adjustments to both headcount as well as expenditures, et cetera. So a lot of the... Economic slowdown has already gotten priced in to a lot of the economic data. And at some point here, it will begin to improve because these are cyclical indicators. So one of the conundrums is going to be for investors is going, well, I think the market's got to go down another 30, 40 percent. Right. That's just an obvious fact. Right. I hear this every day from people. Well, it may seem obvious because, yes, I agree, valuations are high, right? Yes, I agree. There are plenty of indicators that suggest a recession's right around the corner. And during an average recession, historically, stocks declined by 35%. And the Fed is going to be cutting rates theoretically in response to a much slower growth economic environment and a financial downfall. That's why the Fed will be cutting rates. But one thing to factor in is that, well, we've already had a 20% plus decline last year that was kind of front running. Now, normally when the Fed is hiking rates, markets are rising, not declining. Last year was a bit of an anomaly because the market was rising. uh, Sorry, the, um, the Fed funds rate was rising and markets were declining. And that's normally backwards from where it occurs. Normally, the markets decline as the Fed is cutting rates after hiking them because they are acting in response to a recession or an event of some sort. So did the question becomes, did we front load that recessionary drawdown in the markets? And so we've taken some of that risk off the table. So even if we do get a recession, maybe the decline isn't as bad as we think, right? It's not going to be another 30 or 40 percent. And this is going to be the challenge that as investors we have to work through. But this is going to bring us, and Brent kind of spoiled it with preloading my chart, but when we come back from the break, we'll, we need to talk a little bit about psychology and what we think versus where we are currently within the markets. And things aren't as bearish as they seem. Which, when you look at it from that perspective, is this actually an opportunity to put capital to work? And should we be looking at it a bit differently? We'll talk about that. We'll come back from break. Don't go away.
0: Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: So welcome back to the show this morning it's interesting so i tweeted out this morning just kind of a chart talking about the market broke above downtrend resistance yesterday that sets up this rally to potentially next stop is 4200 and you know it's interesting because immediately you know it's kind of like throwing bait out into to the water, right, with a bunch of sharks swimming around. Immediately, you get a bunch of people coming back. It's like, oh, this, you know, there's all this economic data pointing to the downside, etc. And, yeah, that's, that, as I said, that's, that's very true. As investors, though, we can't always rely on our own personal analysis to be correct because we have personal biases. And those personal biases can impact our outcomes, Because we're assuming that what we know is correct and that everybody else is wrong. But again, when you're dealing with the markets, you have to understand the market is made up of millions of individual people that are all making their bets, right? And so the market is a weighing machine over time. And it's factoring in all these views every day. From people going i'm bearish i think the economy is going to crash so i'm all in cash right or i'm going to put all my money into gold over here because i think this is going to happen with whatever um you know you got another group saying i'm i'm long stocks because i'm betting on an economic recovery whatever it is right all those factors all those views are getting priced in and so no matter what we think Ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to rely on what the market's telling us because what the market is telling us tends to be right more often than not because it's factoring in all of these different views. and It's just something to pay attention to. But this brings us to a little bit different side of this equation, which is also the issue of where we are in this current market cycle. And, you know, one of the things that we're talking a lot about now, right, is like, oh, the bear market's got to continue, and during recessions we've got to have, you know, much bigger drawdowns in the markets, et cetera, so forth, and so on. And that's true, right? That Historically, those are true statements. But if we go back and look at where markets have come from, Right, we've done some very interesting work relative to the markets. And, and and certainly this market can decline a good bit more. Certainly can. And but it's the difference between what we classify as a bull market and what we classify as a bear market. There's kind of this arbitrary measure, right? Last year was a bear market, according to the media. Because, because the markets declined by 20%. Well, the problem is, is that historically, a 20% decline would change the trend of the markets from being positive to negative. So if you go back to previous bear market cycles, markets would rally to a point and then they would reverse and you would uh, decline by 20%. And the, the, the decline of 20% was large enough to change the previous trend in prices. But the problem is, this time, is that 20% arbitrary measure really isn't a good measure. It's not valid. And the reason is is because that 20% decline last year did not even come close to changing the long-term trend of the markets from positive to negative. Now you can show the chart, Brent. (laughs) And, And so... Last year, really, so far, has been a correction. Now, here's, here's your case for the bearish argument, right? So if you're convinced that the markets have to go lower, there's certainly a case to be made for that because the correctional process we've had so far has not retraced and closed that massive deviation that was created by the $5 trillion worth of liquidity in the markets back in 2020-2021. And so, you know, the markets during March of 2020 retested that bullish trend. So that 35% decline in March of 2020 was also not a bear market. That was a correction. And it was more importantly, it was a correction because it immediately recovered to all-time highs. Right? So that was clearly a correctional process. So if we look back at the markets in a a longer-term manner, it's clear that March of 2020 was not a bear market. It was a correction. The current environment has declined by 20%, but it's still not a bear market because you have not changed the directional trend of the market. The trend of the market is still higher, not lower. Previously, when we had corrections that changed the trend of the markets, that was when we had bear markets, right? So as an example, back in 2008. But you'll notice that back in 2008, that deviation from the rising trend line was not that great, not nearly to the magnitude of what you're seeing in recent years because of the impact of aggressive fiscal and monetary stimulus. So if you are a bear and you're looking for further downside, there's certainly a case to be made that in order for this correction to complete, we should retest that long-term rising bullish trend line from the 2009 lows which is about another 20-25% lower. So there's your bearish argument. But even with that, it would not be a bear market. It would still be a correction because you haven't broken that long-term secular bullish trend that began back in 2009. And, and so this is, this is the, the challenge that as investors we face. Now, from a short-term standpoint, and again, using our 2009 to current position. If we look at the market on a weekly basis using weekly moving averages, et cetera, then there is a case to be made that the decline in October, which retested that 200-week moving average, is – a completion of that correction process again not a bear market just a correction within a bullish trend so what these views tell us is that you know on a shorter term basis weekly moving averages versus monthly charts etc that There is certainly risk to the downside. Yes, we can certainly have further downside. But on a short-term basis, the trend is certainly bullish in the short term, and, and that bullish trend remains well intact. And a lot of that excess that was built up in 2020, 21, 22, a good chunk of that has been reversed, at least in the short term. So, again, this is the problem. See, this is the challenge that we face. I can, I, can, I can build you a fairly confident bearish case, and I can build you a fairly confident bullish case. How do you navigate that? Right? That's, that's the problem. And that's really the function of where we are within this, in this cycle is trying to figure out how do we get ultimately to a point of navigating this and this is where as investors we've got to really kind of focus on what matters to our portfolio and and making those adjustments accordingly. So regardless of what your view is, right? And I'm not trying to convince you in one direction or the other that you know, we're back into a bull market and you need to be 100% long stocks or you need to you know, a bear market. I'm not trying to convince you of either or. It is for it is your decision to make. All I'm saying is is that markets are a living, breathing organism that is pricing in all of this data on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Banking crises, credit suisse, Silicon Valley Bank, economic data. That's all getting priced into markets. So in order to navigate what's next, we just need to follow a simple, a, a fairly basic set of rules. Right. And if and if we can follow some basic rules, we can help navigate whatever cycle that whatever happens. Right. We can navigate that. You know, so we talk regularly about, you know, cutting losers short, letting your winners run, those type of things. Right. So if things are working, your portfolio keep those. If things aren't working for one reason or another um, dynamics have changed, whatever it is, you can always sell those and come back to them later. This has been a bit of a frustrating period in the markets because you have 10 stocks driving 90% of the returns. So just because stocks aren't performing right now doesn't mean that they're losers either. So you have to separate between a fundamentally flawed stock and a, a market that's being driven by 10 stocks in particular. But if you have a fundamentally flawed stock, let it go. Come back to it later. Always make sure that when you invest in anything that you've got a specific you know, target in mind. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to sell it at this price if it gets there because it will be overvalued for whatever reason. Or I'm going to buy it here, and if it breaks this level, I'm going to, I'm going to close it out because it's broken my stop. Not having specific targets is an arbitrary investment, and that gets you into trouble because the stock can get away from you on the downside – or as stocks are rising, you start going, well, maybe you can go up some more, and we let greed overtake our rational logic of investing. So always have your targets and honor those targets. When we come back, I'll just go through a couple of other rules to follow, and then we'll wrap up the show for this morning. I'm Real Science Roberts for The Real Investment Show. Don't go away.
0: Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: And welcome back to the show this morning. So just going through some basic kind of rules to try to navigate this market of whatever it is. And again, I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other of being bullish or being bearish. That's not my job. My job is just to lay out the facts of what they are and then for you to make your own best decisions that you can uh, for your money and your family, your portfolio. So we talked about, you know, cutting losers short, letting the winners run, uh, age old philosophy, right? Every, Every historically great investor has that one rule in common, no matter who it is. In one form or another, you go back and look at every great investor from Warren Buffett all the way through Paul Tudor Jones. All of them have one rule in common, and that is to cut losers short, let winners run in one form or another. Importantly, always have targets and stop losses in place, so understand what your risks are and honor those, right? The the biggest mistake we make is that we set a target, say, okay, if if I'm going to buy this stock at 20, and when it gets to 30, I'm going to sell it, Um, and it gets to 30, you go, yeah, but it might go higher, and then it goes to 35, and you're like, see, it went higher, and then it goes to 20, and you didn't sell it. So always honor your targets. Emotional and cognitive biases, number three, they're not part of the process. So as soon as you start thinking about an investment or making a financial decision, and that decision or that investment process starts with, I feel that my friend told me, I heard I hope any of those statements don't do it because that's an emotional decision. What do the facts say? What is the market doing? I think the market's going to go down 30% because of X, Y, and Z. What's the market doing? I think the market's going to go to the moon. Okay. What's the market doing now? Right. Pay attention to what the market's telling you. And again, if you strip out those emotional biases, it will help you do better in the future. Follow the trend. Right. An obvious one. Doesn't mean that you have to be all in or all out of a market at any time. And this is one of the mistakes that investors do make over time, which is trying to. Time the market. And that's certainly not the case. You can't time the market successfully. What you can do is you can increase and reduce exposure, something we talk about here on the show often, right? When the market started turning up, we got a buy signal. We recommended increasing exposure to portfolios, and that's what we did. When that signal reverses, we will reduce portfolio exposure accordingly. So follow the trend. 80% of what happens in portfolios is all directly attributable to the trend of the market. Don't turn profit into a loss. As I said, you know, don't get greedy, right? It's easy when stocks are going up to get greedy. It's like, oh, just, I'm, I'm just going to ride this bull until... That's a Texas saying. Um, you know, I'm going to ride this bull until the bell rings, and that's awesome. But when the bell rings, you're either getting thrown off the bull or you've got to get off, right? At some point, you've got to sell. Problem is, is that we tend to stay too long. And you turn a nice profit back into a loss. Take profits at least, if not sell the position. Nothing wrong with that. doesn't mean you can't buy it back later. Right? Your odds of success are going to greatly improve if you're doing a lot of fundamental analysis. And again, there's lots of bearish data on the fundamental side of the ledger, and I am not ignoring that whatsoever. And I don't suggest you either, because fundamentals win over the long term. But... When the technicals combine the uh, confirm the fundamentals or the fundamentals confirm the technicals, that is a much better signal overall. Right now, we've got a technical buy, but we don't have a fundamental buy, and that's why we're not 100% long stocks. When we get those fundamental and technicals to align, we'll be much heavier in our exposure towards equities. The reality is, is that In bear markets, and again, we're not in a bear market, we're in a correction. So two two different things. And there's very important distinctions between a correction and a bear market. But when you're in a real bear market, you can only be neutral or short. When you're in a bull market, you need to be either neutral or long. So right now, the market is bullish. And so we need to either be neutral or long. So if we're neutral, we're not making any money, but we're not losing any money either by being short the market, right? Market prices are rising, so either be neutral or long. And this is the best way to think about your portfolio. It's okay to miss out on gains. That's not a problem. It's also better to miss out on losses. So being neutral is not a bad thing, particularly when you can get a money market rate at 5% right now. Or near 5%, I should say. So being neutral isn't an entirely terrible position to be in when you're collecting, you know, four or four and a half percent on a money market rate, or I can buy bonds yielding three and a half, four or five percent, right? I can buy short-term Treasuries at near five percent, so that's okay, right? There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Being neutral, but being short in a rising market is not a good deal, right? You're not because you're destroying capital. So be neutral. Or be positioned, but base that on the direction and trend of the markets. Um, You know, always invest, and this is an important one as well, always invest with the risk first. Understand what your risks are first when you invest. The return comes second. If you invest for the idea of return, and don't pay attention to the risk, you will wind up destroying more capital than not over time. So whenever you make an investment, always account for the risk of that investment. How much risk am I taking for this potential rate of return? And if those don't coordinate with each other, in other words, the amount of risk you're taking isn't a direct result of that eventual return, then don't do it. And we, we talk a lot about risk-reward ratios. If, if you're going to make a good example of this, let's say that you're going to invest in a stock that's $50 a share. My upside on that stock potentially is 55. My downside is 45. Well, if I've got a $5 gain versus a $5 loss, what's the point of investing in that stock, right? My risk-reward is effectively zero, now, if I've got a $10 upside and a $5 downside, that's a different story. My, the risk that I'm taking at that point outweighs the potential for my loss. So look at a position you're going to take, calculate where your stop loss needs to be, take a look at, and this is, goes back to our other rule on always having a sell point in mind, either stop or for a profit, a profit sell. Calculate those two first and determine your risk and reward. If it doesn't make sense, don't do it. Find something else. Just because it's going up doesn't mean it's a good investment. And the most important one is, is remember, you're not always going to be right. This is the biggest challenge for individuals uh, managing money. When they make an investment that loses money, they beat themselves up. It's like, ah, you know, I lost money on that, and it's terrible. I'm, ne- I'm never going to do that again. Your goal as an investor is a 70% success rate. Even 60 is okay. But if you can hit about 70% of your trades, you'll do well. You know, if you're a 400 batter, you're probably going to wind up in the Hall of Fame at some point. Right? That And what does that mean, right? If you're batting 400, what does that mean? That means that you're striking out 60% of the time. Right? <laughs> so... You know, when you go to the plate as a 400 batter, you're only getting hits 40% of the time, and that's a Hall of Fame guy right there, potentially. So if you can get 70% of your trades right, you'll do fine in the markets. You're not going to get all your trades right. And, and, and when one goes wrong, it just goes wrong. Just take it out of your portfolio move on. Now, if you're getting 70% of your trades wrong, you need to reevaluate what you're doing as an investor. But don't try for perfection either, because what that gets you into is the I hope it recovers scenario. It's not a loss until I sell it and I hope it comes back. Right? That's where you get yourself in trouble. And then what you wind up with is a whole portfolio of stocks you're hoping are going to come back eventually versus making money. So don't be afraid of selling stuff. There's nothing wrong with selling things and managing the risk and portfolio. Again, at the end of the day, it's all about risk and reward for the whole portfolio as well as it is just for the individual positions in the portfolio. Doesn't mean that everything is going to work. Everything is not going to work. If you have a portfolio of 30 or 40 stocks, you're going to have five or 10 of them that aren't working right now. This is where we have to go back and look at what... Is going on in our portfolio, and and are these stocks that are just temporarily out of favor versus something fundamentally wrong with them? If they're fundamentally wrong, we got to move them, got to do something. But these are things to think about. So anyway, all this stuff is in the article on the website today, and and uh, you know I wanted to spend some time going through it with you because the, we're in that one of those moments in the markets where there's so much confusing and competing data being thrown at us by the media and by channels and by YouTube and there's so much of it today YouTube and Facebook and everybody else and and armchair jockeys all around you know everywhere on social media that have their own views and that's fine and again that's what makes up a market right all these views bullish bearish neutral whatever they are that's what makes up the market and so it doesn't mean that just because somebody has a bearish view that they're wrong because we need those people For the people who have a bullish view, because that's how a transaction occurs. And the question is is whether or not there are more bullish buyers than there are bearish sellers. And right now, prices are rising, which tells you that's exactly the case. So where are you? So go back and examine your portfolio, what you're doing, what you're thinking. And if you need some help, be sure to go by the website. Always happy to help you out. Simply just fill out the form to ask a question. If you need to make an appointment, you can do that as well. Right there on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Again, um, our our article is out on the blog post today. Our newsletter from this weekend, it's on the website now. Our daily market commentary posted this morning with our market trading update for today. It's all there for you. It's all free. Help you manage your money better. We got to do this together. We'll see you next time on the next edition of The Real Investment Show.